0: Because, again, you know, without health, we really don't have anything. We can't be what we need to be to our families, to our children, and to be of service to others, period.
1: Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassar, and this show is here to support your interest in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate. And, if you're ready how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. So I'm so excited to have with me today is someone who I met from my good friend, Matt Keswick. Matt has Parkinson's and he is a lobbyist and a political consultant in Massachusetts. And he found out about eight years ago that he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And through his advocacy through Parkinson's, he was able to meet a lot of really interesting people. And he took hold of his life and he realized through his research that exercising was going to be really helpful to slow down the Parkinson's and to make sure that he was strong enough to get through those bad days. So one of the people that he met and introduced me to is Brett Miller. So Brett is with me today. Brett is a physical therapist and he's the founder and owner of 110 Fitness. He is incredibly passionate about the adaptive fit, fitness and inspiring the best in everyone he meets but he he had this mission of wellness and designing a wellness feature to set a new standard in the world in the fight back against parkinson's disease through holistic and fitness-based approaches as well as breaking down barriers for adults and children that are limited by disease or disability by sharing his exceptional mental and physical training and conditioning experience. Brett is a licensed physical therapist with 26 years of experience in all settings. And so I got to know Brett through Matt and I realized quickly why they were good friends and how much Brett was really helping Matt. And Brett not only is a licensed physical therapist, but he's also a U.S. Army veteran and very proud to have served as a combat medic trainer for special operations and oversaw the construction and development of the depth meds for the U.S. Army. So I'm excited to have Brett here with me today to not just talk about Parkinson's, but also talk about what it's like to be a small business owner in Massachusetts in a place that shut down and was down for a while, and also to talk about his new book that he had released this spring. Brett, welcome here today on this episode of Political Contessa.
0: Thank you so much. It's an honor, Jen, to be here and uh, your words are very sweet. And I'm very happy to, to share a little bit about 110 Fitness and some of the things that we've been through with the pandemic and some of the you know, interesting things that happened along my journey in my book. So thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, no, it's awesome. You know, it's so fun for me because now that we're in the holiday season, I think it's really important for people to to bridge the gaps between mental health, physical health, feeling some ailments. I know myself, as I'm getting older, I wake up every morning, there's new ache and pain and the stress of being a single mom and kids and college applications and middle school applications and you know you just forget you know with with all of that stuff and being in a sandwich generation and having the holidays approaching you forget to take care of yourself and so right i mean i'm sure you see this every day <laughs> that people just kind of they start slacking and and i think it takes it takes a toll on everyone and i think that your approach is really interesting so why don't you start off, start us off by talking about 110 Fitness and what inspired you to begin it.
0: Sure. I will tell you, I see it very often and you are correct just to retract about your comment. You know, clearly self-care is on the back burner for a lot of people and this world is moving very fast. And so, you know, it really is important to reflect and to really set goals for yourself and to identify where, you know, you might need to do some, like you say, spiritual or physical or some mental wellness for yourself. Because again, you know, without health, we really don't have anything. We can't be what we need to be to our families, to our children, and to be of service to others, period. So thank you for pointing that out. You know, 110 Fitness, is, it's, it's such a wonderful place that has been created by such a wonderful team that I'm surrounded by. And I, I really credit all the people that are part of our community here. 110 Fitness is an all-inclusive wellness center. So uh, we happen to be the largest wellness center in the world for people with Parkinson's disease. But we also do programming for disabled adults, disabled youth. We do any type of adaptive fitness for really any population that you can think of. We do programming for disabled veterans. We do programming for women who have been affected by domestic violence. And we do programming just for the -the run-of-the-mill person who just wants to be a better version of themselves. And the 110 Fitness, people always ask me, you know, why I named that. And this space that 110 Fitness is located in, in Rockland, Massachusetts, is dedicated to my team, my military team. And uh, we always believed in being 110. And our mission, as a lot of people have heard in the military, is to leave no one behind and to save people's lives. And that's what we're continuing to do in that mission here at 110 Fitness. And so it's just, you know, I am just so blessed, again, like I said, to be surrounded by everyone here. So our programming is expansive as you can tell from a parkinson's side of the fence we do anything that you could ever imagine from ballroom dancing to line dancing to boxing to yoga to mindful meditation. We're a huge community so we go out all the time together. We go bowling every month. We go golfing when the weather's good. We go axe throwing. We go mountain climbing, Ax we do throwing. A- yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel like you know? I need a little bit of that in my life.
0: <laughs> we are a risky, yes, we're a risky and frisky group. And, uh, you know, I, I train all these people based on my research techniques that I have developed. And, you know, I believe and truly believe that there's nothing that people with Parkinson's can't do that, people without adaptive needs can do. And we're a true living example of that. And you know, we are the example for the world. And we're trying to lead through evidence-based research that we do here at our facility through the Michael J. Fox Foundation, through the Davis Finney Foundation, through a lot of the different foundations that I work for, including the Cleveland Clinic, and all that research, evidence that we come up with is what designs our programming. We have an amazing medical advisory board that oversees our programming. I happen to be obviously on that board, but we oversee all of our programming to make sure that we're on the crest of the wave with the research and that whatever we are presenting here to our Parkinson's folks, that it is new and it is credible and it is very ethical. You know, we try to really establish programming that we want everybody else in the world to see and to follow what we're doing to set the stage for Parkinson's wellness.
1: I, I love that you do all of that. And I love that you're kind of a full service wellness center for people with disabilities. And, you know, especially Parkinson's is near and dear to my heart because of our good friend, Matt. But what what got you into that? I mean, you didn't wake up one day and just say, hey, mm-hmm. I want to I start a gym to help people with Parkinson's and other disabilities. Yeah. What what was the impetus for it?
0: So this is, an, this is an interesting question. And of course, everybody asks me is how I, how I ended up here clearly I always tell people the first thing you should do is read my book because it is a memoir of my life and it really truly paves the way for how I ended up here at 110 Fitness. But the long story short of it all was I was a physical therapist, but always working in the fitness industry after I got out of college and after I was discharged from the military. And so I was working in fitness and I was doing physical therapy and I was also working in professional boxing. I trained high-end boxers, Olympic boxing folks. And I was working in the boxing industry. And ironically, before any of the research ever came out, I was using boxing as a technique for a lot of people at home for therapy because of all the things that boxing does outside of the obvious, we don't use any contact here, but from a dynamic balance standpoint, from a mental aptitude, speed, agility, range of motion, strength, all of those things are inclusive in boxing. We know that boxing is based on the Olympic committee's research, that it's the hardest sport in the world. And so if you take all of those things and you train somebody who has an injury or who is older, who may have balance issues, you know, you can really use the boxing techniques to maximize and optimize their performance functionally at home. And so I was using that. And then all this research came out. My wife's aunt had Parkinson's disease and she was always you know, someone that we were trying to help. She lived in Cleveland at the time. And so Parkinson's was part of our life. And when the boxing stuff came out that it was helping people with Parkinson's disease, immediately, I had like four people call me within one day, no lie, who said, when are you going to start a program that involves boxing and Parkinson's? And so I did. I started a very small program in a little town here on the South Shore in Marshfield. And the first day I had two people show up and I thought, okay, well, I can do this while I run my other business. The problem was in about one month, I had 40 people with Parkinson's standing in front of me and 20 caregivers going, we need some help. We need a support group. We need to develop a community. There's so many people with Parkinson's that need your help. And from there, again, very serendipitously believe in, you know, the universe paving this way. I ended up in Rockland in a very large space that I was able to afford. And now, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, 200 plus people are coming through here on a weekly basis with Parkinson's disease. And we're doing support groups for caregivers. We have an art workshop here in our facility, Reiki Massage. We do all kinds of different cycling programs. We have a pool next door and we do boxing in the water, a program that I developed. So it just kind of snowballed into this gigantic community. And and here we are. So that's the short story.
1: Wow, that's so amazing I mean, clearly, like I think we all are affected by, you know, something that happens in our own family and you know, things that we support. My brother had Tourette's syndrome. So for me, the brain was always so interesting and, and neurological disorders and following what the Tourette Syndrome Association Association has always done. And obviously I got involved with the Michael J. Fox Foundation due to due to Matt, but It's interesting. So, I mean, I know in Massachusetts, there are about 22,000 people who are diagnosed with Parkinson's. Do you see people out, I mean, is this something that doctors will tell their patients about who are diagnosed with Parkinson's about your program? And then my other follow-up question is, do people from other states come to Massachusetts to come and see what you're doing, whether it's trainers who are bringing it back to their home states, or do you see people coming into Massachusetts that know about this great work you're doing?
0: This is a great question. So yes, so we see people with all different neurological issues. We actually have a few folks with Huntington's disease. We have some other folks with traumatic brain injury, stroke, what we call CTE or encephalopathy from multiple head trauma. So we have all kinds of folks that come here. And yes, there's about, we think there's actually about 25,000 people with Parkinson's disease in Massachusetts currently. Again, the development of the registry, which you, I think, spoke about in a previous podcast is really going to help us develop those numbers. And then it's really going to help drive the research because we're able to then compare our data with other states that have registries. But- I have people, thanks to Zoom and to the technical world, I actually do evaluations virtually for people all over the country and actually all over the world. I actually do and have done evaluations for people in other countries, in Chile, Albania, people who have Parkinson's who are less fortunate than us, who don't have a place like 110 Fitness to come to. One of the things that is so nice is that because of the virtual technology, we're able to do that. I do have people who come here from Boston who drive here multiple times a day. I have people who come from the Cape. I also have people who fly here from New Jersey and from Arizona, who spend what I call like a week intensive training. So they actually spend every day with me for a certain period of time, and I do a full intensive training, and then I send them home with work to do. And then they utilize our app, we have a fitness app to then carry them over. And then when they're ready to do a recharge, they'll call me and they'll come back to Massachusetts and continue their progression with their Parkinson's wellness.
1: Oh that is so um, that is so cool that's amazing that you do that. What um do we, so you said you do evaluations through Zoom. I mean I I feel like I didn't really do Zoom workouts until The Mm -hmm. pandemic hit when I, you know, had no other choice, and I was uh, stuck in Florida with my daughters. And I went to Target and I picked up five pound weights, and I was like, I think my life is relegated to a jump (laughs) rope and five pound weights.
0: There were no more, right?
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. It was like that was. I was happy. I was psyched to find the five pounds. Mm -hmm. But did you do the Zoom? Did you do the Zoom evaluations prior to? covid shutdowns or you or you started doing it during
0: so when the pandemic hit one of the things that you have to recognize with people with parkinsons is the mental warfare of parkinsons in itself on a daily basis is something that they should never do alone and so by having a community at 110 fitness and having people that are here who have no judgment all egos are left at the door we're all in the same boat we're fighting for the same cause really generates this huge camaraderie. And then all of a sudden the world shut down. And so we knew that we had to be fast and furious and figure out a way, how am I going to keep my folks moving? A lot of these people might have dementia or might have other cognitive brain training issues. And we know that the loneliness and the loss of socialization in itself, although I can't measure it, was the cause, the cause of a lot of loss of our fighters during the pandemic. None of them had COVID, but we had many, many deaths during covid of older folks that were here with Parkinson's. And we really think it was because of pure loneliness and the lack of socialization. So one of the things that I did was I designed, as I said before, I designed the first ever wellness app for Parkinson's disease. It's called the 110 Fitness app. It's available on Apple App Store and also Google Play. And it has 19 categories. And those categories are anything and everything that you could think of Parkinson's. And all of those categories, when you hop on, you see myself or another professional who I know who is very credible and educated and teaches that class, whether it's some hand-eye coordination things, whether it's a boxing class, it might be a cycling or a rowing class. It could be vocal work. So we do singing and different things. Uh, we have a choir here. We actually have a, a, we do holiday concerts and things of that nature do here. You really? Ter-
1: you have a choir? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're like, like you just
1: keep pulling out bag in your bag. It's like trick, 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 trick.
0: Lots of tricks because people with Parkinson's are affected vocally with swallowing, their connotation, their ability to expire force or speak with volume or to get words from their brain to their tongue. So there's all these things that occur. And so choir work and singing work and word work helps. And so that's on our app. The other thing is, to answer your question, is that's when I started the evaluations. I basically said to everybody out there, we offered our app free for an entire year during COVID. So you could pop on YouTube and you could do any of the 200 plus videos that I made free for anybody all over the world. We had about 14 countries following us when we were really in the heart of, of COVID and uh, so the app really was my link to everybody that comes here. It was my way of, of being present in their living room and charging them and keeping them moving. And then we had people from different states that said, listen, who is this guy? You know, and, and thank God for the virtual worlds. And so then they would reach out to me. We would email them the form that I created for an evaluation. And then I would meet with them two to three different times throughout the evaluation process to figure out what was going on indicate what the biggest clinical issues were for them or physical issues for them. And then designing a wellness program for them, uh, you know, all their medications and doctors that they use and all of that's completely separate. This is more from just a wellness fitness perspective was giving them the tools that they needed to mitigate some of their symptoms based on the research that we know of. So that,
1: that's great. I know it's, it was important for everyone to keep moving during those days. And so, you know good for you for thinking on your feet thinking so quickly about it so what what is the what is the biggest benefit for people With Parkinson's. Well, Mm -hmm. I guess I have, I have a, I mean, I have so many questions for you because I think it's so cool. I mean, I, you know, I think it's amazing that you were able to keep this going during the time where everything was shutting down, but then, you know, also what you do. So, I mean, why was exercise important for people with covid And, you know, it was that the thing that kind of kept you going and knowing that, you know, once once everything was over and and you were able to reopen that you were, you know, like you said, you know, you lost some folks because of the the mental implications. But I mean, there has to be some physical benefits to this working out for everyone. Right
0: yeah you know from a from a parkinson's perspective we actually have research data that shows that with specific techniques that i've developed on my own and other techniques called high intensity interval training which a lot of people do who don't have parkinson's we know that neurophysiologically or neurologically that let me just take a step back for the layman out there if you have parkinson's disease that means that you have a loss of a neurotransmitter called dopamine and dopamine helps us sleep it helps us move And when you are diagnosed with Parkinson's, we truly believe based on MRIs and some of the other scans that we have, that you have already lost about 50% of your dopamine and dopamine is like a set of teeth. You get what you get and then that's it. You can't remake it or anything like that. So we know that with high intensity interval training, the cellular structure of the dopamine cell can be somewhat protected and restored through this high intensity exercise. And so we have techniques that maintain the dopamine that the person has so that they have the ability to sleep well, they have the ability to move and coordinate movement. So exercise in an extremely intense form is highly, highly effective in mitigating the symptoms of Parkinson's disease when it is carried out based on the research that we know. And that is very important to point out is that it has to be done a specific way, and it has to be carried out a very specific way by the person in order to be effective. For the person who doesn't have a disability or has no adaptive needs, like myself, we know that exercise helps release other chemicals, right? Serotonin and other types of things, right? Because when we exercise, we feel good. We know that sort of that happy sensation that you get. And so exercise as a whole, I think when COVID happened, a lot of people like. Even now, you know, we're we're talking about all the mental implications and all of the different um, cognitive issues that young kids are having and adults are having who have post COVID syndrome and things of that nature. Exercise made people feel good, and they were falling into depressions and loneliness of being secluded in their homes. They couldn't go to work; they had to work from their living room. It takes a toll on any person, right? And so, exercise was really sort of that bridge. You know, it was that bridge to like. I want to feel good. And so people were exercising and getting outside and doing much more exercise strictly, I think, because the whole world was kind of falling apart around you. And it was really that, that thing that sort of kept everybody together it was like, let's go for a walk. We can stay six feet apart. We'll be outside. We can take in that air. You have that natural factor. And then also the release of different you know chemicals that make you feel that, that happy, that sort of that release. So uh, yeah. you know, exercise was key. It was key. It was. Key oh yeah,
1: me. I think always key, right? I mean, I I work out myself just to mm-hmm. keep my my Sir, my Sicilian Syrian personality <laughs> from being yes. a constant volcano. <laughs> and I know I went from being in the gym and boxing and doing plotties and doing weight training from you know six days a week to running and walking and biking and using the you know fun little five pounders as my workout but i needed to get out and i realized that if i went out at specific times i would see the same people which made mm-hmm. me feel like i had some sort of sense of a community around me even though the world was so scary so i could only imagine for folks that you know really need it because they needed for their stability not their mental stability but mm-hmm. for their physical stability
0: yeah we were so lucky again you know i again it was a huge blessing for us you know wherever you're listening from from this podcast you know we're here in the state of massachusetts and you know the the leaders of our state you know the governor and the lieutenant governor were really trying to figure out a way to continue to keep small businesses like ourselves i mean all of the fitness centers and wellness centers were closed and you know being a physical therapist and licensed here in massachusetts and practicing you know i was able to be an essential worker so i was able to have people who really really needed me at the time to come into my facility one on one and to put that together and then of course you know we were very blessed to have different options with some of the money that was available for small businesses here through the state of Massachusetts, and you know, Mass Growth Capital was instrumental in helping keeping 110 Fitness's doors open during during the pandemic, and that you know was again a state program that was you know funded by our leaders here. So you know, from the state of Massachusetts perspective, you know, we were very lucky with the people who were running the show at the time. But I know that a lot of people, you know throughout the country, you know, we're suffering, we're in the fitness industry and small businesses alike, you know, so we're very grateful.
1: Yeah, that that was going to be my next question was as a small business owner, you know, it takes not just a a toll on you as a business owner and, and being concerned about your own livelihood, but you are very, very close with everyone that you train and so you know that the that you know you knew that people were stuck at home and so it was more than just a business for you it was more than just a dollar sign it was also the the empathetic part of owning a business and being part of that community that I think was pretty tough. So, okay. Well, so now, you know, we're, we're in COVID, you know, you're shut down for a couple of months and you're still able to see some, some folks, I mean, you know, in in, in and out every once in a while, but it definitely slowed down a lot. So you released a book this May of 2021. Did you decide to start writing this? while the pandemic was going on? Or was this something that you have been writing since, you know, over the past 20 years or so? Why did you decide to write a book? Which I love. So I will say one of the things I love is Grey's Anatomy. And I know there is a line in there about a beautiful day to save a life. And yours is a beautiful day to save lives. A medic's journey to his destiny. I love all of those things. I mean, the whole thing, it just is is such a nice, warm and fuzzy title. What what was the beginning of this book for you?
0: Yeah, so to answer you asked me the question, you know, during COVID, did I decide to write a book or have I 20 years ago wanted to write a book? And the answer is both. What inspired me to write a book was I had this book in my mind. And I am a very busy person my my life's journey, as you know, is service to others. And so a lot of times, as we were talking at the beginning, my self-care takes a backseat as well. And so I have this book that was designed in my head. And when COVID struck and 110 Fitness was closed, it gave me the time to finally put it on paper. And so every night that I left 110 Fitness after doing my one-on-one training, I would sit down on my phone and I would write a chapter of my book. And Thirteen chapters later, I had this book. I uh, found an editor who was interested in, you know, being a part of my journey with my book, and off I went. It took about a year and a half from start to finish, with all the editing and moving of parts and pieces, and you know, putting the chapters in chronological order to my liking. And I had a book that I released in May, and uh, you know, again like you said, having a relationship with the folks here, you know, to me, it's a personal responsibility. And that's why, you know, we did what we did and the ways that we shifted during COVID. But you'll find out in my book, which is a memoir of my life that starts out when I was very young. And sort of universally driven, I have been presented with situations where I've had to save people's lives since I was six, up until now. And now I believe that we're saving lives on a daily basis here at 110 Fitness based on the people that are involved here and and what we do for all the people that come through our doors. And so it talks about my life's journey and how, you know, I I spent a lot of time saving people's lives and I was a combat medic in the military and was presented with some very hairy-cary situations that you'll read about in my book. I don't want to ruin any surprises, but... uh, Unfortunately, what happened for me personally was being on and being constantly aware of my surroundings and maybe not worried, but just anxious about being presented with situations like this caused a very quick downward spiral in my personal life with addiction and suicide and things that I felt like I had no control over. And that when I got out of the military, I was talk about it in my book about being a enraged lion stuck in a cage in a zoo, walking back and forth, pondering life and wondering why it wasn't going to be better than this, because I, told, I was told that it was going to be better than this. But yet at the fa- same time, I was so upset at myself because I should be grateful for what I had. And I was married, I had my beautiful daughter at the time, since before I had my twins, I had homes, I had cars, I had a business, but yet at the same time, I was out of my skin. And so it's my journey and my turnaround of how I came out of that and where I am in my life now with 110 Fitness and again, you know, dedicating the rest of my life to service to others. And how I want to share that with the world and how I believe that everybody in this world has a very special gift. It's just a matter of finding what that gift is. And my sort of call to everyone in the world to figure out what your gift is and know that greatness is upon you and that you should be sharing that gift with other humans.
1: Yeah, that's got it. Makes me want to cry because you have definitely learned so much about yourself and election. And I also want to point out that it is unique because maybe in your journey, it was your life also that you saved and you were able to turn yours around. So it gives you a lot of perspective. You have stuff that happens to you instead of using it and saying, "And you know, poor me." and Someone should be helping me you saved yourself and mm. by saving yourself it's your way of giving back that you figured it out and you want to give back to others and I think that that's beautiful it's I find that the title is definitely ironic
0: it is very ironic and uh, I end my chapters as you'll see as you go through my book with the with the sentence was a beautiful day to save a life or it's a beautiful day to save lives and uh one of the chapters clearly is about my struggle with my own existence and i end that chapter the same way it's a beautiful day to save lives especially when it's your own <laughs> yeah right yeah. i mean
1: that's 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 it i mean we, yeah. we i think whether it's that you have Parkinson's or you have cancer or you have addiction, or I know for myself, my brother was an addict and it took me a very long time after his death to be honest with lots of people around me, um, outside of my super close core of friends, but to be honest with other people about his journey, because I felt like it was his story and I didn't want to tell it, but He wasn't around to tell it. And so it was left for me to do. But, you know, I think we all have those different things that, that make us who we are and bring us into the business that we're in, the career that we're in and make us see things in a different light. So Mm. it's super interesting, um, you know, that you wrote this book and that you've had these experiences.
0: Yeah. You know, I tell everybody there's commonality in the struggle. And like you said, whether it's addiction, whether it's cancer, it's Parkinson's disease, it's MS, it's a brain injury, it's grieving the loss of someone. There's commonality in that struggle. And there are things that, you know, are very similar in all of those things that bring people together. And, you know, people always say to me, they say, well, what do you do when you are in this struggle and you are lost and you don't know what to do? And how did you, and and I always tell them, go and help somebody. That's the first thing you're going to do is you're going to go and help somebody because consequently, not only is it good for you, it's good for the person that you're helping, but it's also good for the greater community and then good for the world. And so by helping people, you can figure out what your gift is and you can figure out how you can help yourself through service to others. And my book does a full 360, you know, I'm, I'm almost 50. And so my, my time in the military was spent during the days of Desert Storm and Bosnia. I worked in a very tight group of special operations, and so therefore, a lot of the missions that I was on were not published missions and things that the news talks about. And so, some of the situations that I've been in are very interesting. But one of the the one of the hardest things that ever happened to me was my mission in Bosnia, and we were trying to take refugees who were slaughtered in the massacre of Srebrenica? There was 8,000 men, women, and children that were murdered in two days. Families were split up. split up, and the term ethnic cleansing was the term used back then. And, you know, we needed to find places for these people to go. And a lot of them were shipped back to the United States. And it's very ironic now with the Afghanistan mission that happened and how we're now bringing Afghan refugees to the United States history repeats itself. It's all over again. But what's really neat is one of those refugees who was a very young boy at the time. I actually meet on a farm in the middle of Pennsylvania just a couple of years ago. It's the last chapter of my book and it's fascinating to me still when I talk about it, that there I was back in the mid 19 to late 1990s. And here I am in 2019 And I'm looking at an adult who was eight years old that was taken from Bosnia and shipped to the Bronx with his mom and dad. They didn't speak English, they had nothing. And they were in a knit community in upstate New York still. Their parents now live with them. But he was one of those people. And we sat on a hay bale and cried and talked about what happened. And it was like massive closure for me. To know that I had done the right thing because I really, in my book, you'll understand that I really wasn't sure if I was at the time, you know, doing the right thing. We were, you know, taking people from their homes for their own safety and then sending them completely different country. And so that's weird, right? For anybody. But at that time, it was what we needed to do. And, and they were being shipped to multiple con- countries in, in Europe and Macedonia and Germany and Sweden and things of that nature. But a lot of people came to the United States and then made a life for themselves. And this gentleman, his name was Arik, made a life for himself. A very successful life. He had beautiful kids and a wife and his family was living with him. And they had this beautiful community, thanks to the United States military, that was you know swift enough to, to do these things. And so... I think you'll you'll enjoy it. It has a really beautiful ending, if I don't say it myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. And I think we all we all have that destiny, right? It's whether you you see it and you acknowledge it. And it's it's nice to acknowledge it and to know that there are ways you could make a difference in life. Sometimes you get to see it, sometimes you don't, and but you know that you change the world for someone just a little bit. And leaving a little bit of a legacy, right? As parents, that's what mm-hmm. we want to do. I, I want to leave a legacy for my daughters. So that way, you know, one day when I'm not here, they could say, you know, she did. I just need one little thing, right? Yep. <laughs> so
0: Lead by example. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: exactly. Brett, I have to say, thank you for your service to the United States. I know that I think where I feel like it is forgotten a lot. And as we leave you know, leave November and are we're in the holiday season. I think it's a great time to thank people who serve our country and and give their lives and watch other people's lives. And thank you for the book because I think that this is a definitely a beautiful day to save lives, I think is also a beautiful gift for people at the holidays. To maybe take a couple of deep breaths, I know me included. Hopefully get to sit on a beach somewhere, sip a cocktail and finish off the book.
0: (laughs) Yes.
1: Um, So I think it's great for, for the holidays, but also 110 Fitness, what you do there, keep up the great work. Thank you for helping those who are not as fortunate in their bodies as you and I are. I know I have a couple of friends whose parents were recently diagnosed, so I'm passing on the app to them and going and tell them to get their piss on it. And that's also another good gift for the holidays to, you know, make sure that your loved ones are taking care of themselves. So thank you so much for being on with me on Political Contessa, because I think that these are all, everything that you're doing is, affects our lives and in, in different ways. And we all know someone who has, who isn't as, you know, perfect as we all are that we're able to wake up in the morning and put on our shoes and get out the door and go to work and and to me that's a perfect life if you're able to take care of yourself and you don't have anything that's really tating. so mm-hmm. you know it's it's definitely something to be thankful for and yeah. and everything that you do yeah
0: thank you i'm going to leave you with two things one is that uh, you know if you do Enjoy my book. I ask everybody to please share it with somebody that it might help. And the other thing that I'd like to leave you with is a quote that I live by, and it is Too much is given, much is required. And it's a passage out of Luke in the Bible. But what it means is that, you know, if you are given these gifts, which you all are out there, trust me, you just need to dig a little deeper and find them, then it is required of you to share those with people for the greater good of the world. Uh, And Jen, you're doing great work by, you know, having folks like us on here to share our news and to spread joy and love to everyone out there. And um, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to speak with me and sharing what I've done to help the world.
1: Thank you, Brett. I appreciate that. Keep up the great work and and hopefully take some time for your own, (laughs) your own self and taking care of your needs thanks so much for listening to political contessa for all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us head over to politicalcontessa.com